0: Okay, I think my mic's on, good. Well, good morning. Good morning. Okay, that was really good. I've been helping with VBS all week and I'm a little bit tired of call and response, so I'm glad I didn't have to fire you guys up and get any more energy out of you. Um, But my name is Luke Shambo. For those of you who don't know me already, um, I've been a member of faith for 20 years and counting. That is my entire life. Um, I was raised in the church Um, I was baptized here. I've gone through youth, confirmation, VBS, everything in between. Um, I'm super blessed to have grown up in such a supportive environment, and it really is a true blessing to be in front of you today. Before I proceed, I would be remiss if I did not say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out in the audience, father figures, grandfathers, uncles, godfathers, everything in between. You have such an impact on our lives and we cannot thank you enough for what you do for us. My dad is uh, lucky enough to be in attendance today. He's over there, he's probably gonna be mad, I pointed him out, Um, but I was thinking this week about how much he means to me. He really does mean a lot to me. I would not be up here today if it were not for him. And I would like to think we share a lot of great qualities. I think he's taught me a lot of good things. Like him, I'm hardworking. Like him, I feel like I'm devoted to my faith. Like him, I feel like I'm loving to my family and friends, but I was thinking about it, and there's a few things that he'll always have me beat at, and I, I picked out three specifically. One, he will know, always know a lot more about insurance than I ever will. <laughs> it's an exciting lifestyle. Two, he can rock a pair of jean shorts like I never will be able to. <laughs> and three, God willing, he will always have less hair than I do. All jokes aside, um, I think sometime back in May, I was in the car with my mom. Um, She's picking me up from school, down in college, and she said, so there's this date in June, and Pastor Andy's gonna be gone, and uh, Jeff will be preaching in traditional. I said, well, what else do you have for me? She said, well, we think you should do it. And for some reason, I jumped at the opportunity, uh, didn't put much thought into it, I think maybe a week or two later it hit me that I actually have to prepare a lot for this. So, um, But we are going to be continuing with uh, the sermon series, Amazing Acts. You might be thinking to yourself, Amazing Acts? There's a lot of Amazing Acts in the Bible. Well, here you go. Amazing Acts from the book of Acts. It's a total coincidence. Um, But the reason I really like the book of Acts is not because of all the amazing things that happen during that book, but it's because of the time that it falls in, in terms of biblical history and how the Bible proceeds. This is everything that happens immediately following the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it was such a crucial time in the life of the early church. And so I have a quote, and it's not from C.S. Lewis, like Jeff usually (laughs) does, but it's from everybody's favorite playwright, William Shakespeare. And one time in a monologue, he once said, all the world's a stage, and the men and women are merely players. And I have to imagine this is something, somewhat of what the disciples would have felt. Everything was laid out for them. Jesus gave them the Great Commission. He said, spread my message to the ends of the earth. And it was up to them. They had everything to gain and nothing to lose that's quite a special feeling. Somebody to reading today from Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 19. I'm going to be beginning with verses 10 through 14. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, "Go to the house of Judas on Street Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him. To restore his sight, Lord, Ananias answered, "I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name." So at this point, many of you are probably familiar with the story. This is the story of Saul and Ananias, and those are really our only two players in the story. We're going to keep it simple today. Um, Saul and Ananias. Two people known for very, very different things. What's interesting is that the Bible doesn't say much at all about Ananias. We get this passage here, these, these nine or ten verses, and we get a recount of the story from Paul himself in Acts chapter 22. But that's all Ananias is mentioned as. So in modern days, some regard him as a disciple, some have regarded him as a prophet, some regard him as both. But either way, we tend to mention him in a positive light. He tends to be a quote-unquote good guy. Saul, not so much. Saul, we think of in a very negative light. Saul was somebody who went around arresting Christians, putting people in prison, murdering Christians, um, terrible, terrible things. He was the direct opposition to Jesus. I mean, if you could have total enemies, this is what they were to each other. It's like the Cincinnati Reds versus their dysfunctional ownership. I mean, it was—that's that type of relationship. So it wasn't good. But we all know how the story ends. We know Saul becomes Paul, who's one of the most influential, influential figures of the early church. And the story is so valuable because it bridges the gap. It gives us the only insight into how he goes from worst to first, in, so to speak. Um, something else is interesting from this passage to start is that Ananias does not jump at this chance right away to answer the Lord's call and obviously that's probably for good reason if God came to you in your dreams tonight and God spoke to you and said I need you to approach this person the worst of the worst person you would have doubts as well but that's what's so perfect about the Bible because the Bible is filled from start to finish with examples Of imperfect people, imperfect people that can still do God's work, and so we hold these biblical figures like Ananias in such high regard, but we oftentimes forget their up and ups and downs. But in a way, that's taught; it's innate. We we're taught from an early age to generalize. We generalize good and bad. Do this, don't do this. I know my parents hammered that into my mind from an early age: the goods and the bads. The goods. Do your homework, go to school. The bads, fail tests and go outside when you get home. The goods, eating healthy for breakfast. The bads, eating ice cream for breakfast, which I do too much now. <laughs> but it's things like that. But the problem is if we generalize too much, if we were to generalize about the people in a story, we're going to miss out on their journeys and we're going to miss out on the complete story and what they have to offer. So just keep that in the back of your head. We'll revisit it in a bit. I'm going to move on to verses 15 through 19. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. So that's it. That's a miracle. Let's just just take a second to realize how miraculous that is. Someone who was the worst of the worst was sent a help and was saved and was baptized and regained strength. And we know what Paul went on to do, and we know how important he was. Something interesting that the Lord does here and something that can provide us a lot of strength and encouragement is that the Lord does not move on from Ananias. When Ananias has doubt, the Lord does not say next and choose the next person in line. He doesn't take the next disciple out of the lot. He says no. He doubles down on his intentions and he tells Ananias simply, go and he tells him why, and that's so important because Ananias was confident enough to enter discourse with the Lord. The Lord answered him, and Ananias answered that call. And what's interesting is nowhere in this passage does it say Ananias is special. Nowhere does he say he was some chosen figure that he needed to be the one to do this, no. Ananias was simply someone ordinary, like you, like me, who answered the Lord's call and answered it with courage. And that's what's important. So undoubtedly, this was a success. He answered the call, he helped, he helped Saul, and we know that the story ends great. So if we have success on one end, we would be, we'd forget a lot if we didn't mention failure, if we didn't mention where Saul was when the story started. Um, it doesn't specifically say in this passage, but uh, Paul states later on that he was blind for three days three days he had to live with his failure um failure is an uncomfortable thing uh we don't like to talk about it we don't like to experience it i can't think of many people in the room who enjoy failing you can learn valuable things from it but at the same time it's a terrible feeling it eats away at you failure is one of my biggest hurdles to get over i just started a new job i work at a hospital and even when I mess up these slightest things, I still beat myself up. Not as much as maybe I used to, but ah, it gets to me. And I am the, if there's a poster child for somebody who would like to go back and try to fix all the mistakes they've made and right all their wrongs and go back in time and fix this and fix that, and it's probably me. It's personal and it's an issue. And it's something I have to get over, but one of my main drivers for success is the fear of failure. I'm not saying that is right or it's healthy, but it's something I battle with, and it's something I have to experience. But this passage and hundreds of others in the Bible give me the reassurance and the strength that I know that I can be redeemed. Because if you look at this story, you you can find one thing in particular. Because if God can turn around the life of a murderer in only three days' time and use him as an instrument, one of the most influential people for the early church, just think about what he can do with you. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I I can't be like Paul. Paul's failure, Saul failed, and Paul became one of of the greatest people. I, I can't be like him. I'm not special. Then I tell you, friends, don't complicate it. Look no further than the resurrection itself. That is the ultimate cover all. It is the ultimate forgiveness. It is the ultimate redemption. We hold the resurrection so high, we believe in it, we we hold it close to our hearts, but we forget oftentimes what it can mean for our lives. And so I tell you, take the resurrection for all its worth. Because it can cover your failure and it proves that you are worthy. So, so success is something you should strive for. Failure is something you should learn to overcome. You can take you can learn lessons from it, but we know our lives are more complicated. We may see that, we may only get this one glimpse of Ananias. We, he might be defined by his success. Saul, before he becomes Paul, might be defined solely from his failure. But our lives are more complicated than that. We know our stories have more to them. And so where does that leave us? Something I like to call the time in between. It's the time that where we live our day-to-day lives. Because... I'm sorry to tell you, but you're not going to be breaking the glass ceiling every day. You're not going to have these tremendous successes every day of your life, and you're not going to hit rock bottom every day either. So where are you living in between? You may define yourself by your success or failures. Some people you interact with might remember you by that, but it's the time in between where you live. That's what matters most. And I'm talking about the experiences. It's the people who help you along the way. It's the people who hurt you. It's the people who guide you. It's the people who bring you closer to God. And it's the people who try to push you away from God. So just try and think about this for a minute. Saul was blind for three days. He was alone. He was in the dark. He didn't know how long he would be waiting for help. That was his time in between. He had to live with his failure. I imagine he did some listening to the Lord to see if he would talk, to see if he would send him help. We know how the story ends. We know that he did send help. Ananias came. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but I'm going to move on. Ananias showed up for Saul and redeemed him. And God includes these stories of failure and redemption intentionally. It's no accident that these stories end this way. What I mean by that is, can you imagine if we only remembered Saul from his worst failures and only remembered Paul as the biblical legend, giant that he is? We would miss this story. The story wouldn't exist. We would miss the transition. We'd probably be really confused on how this guy became so great. But that's what's so valuable about the time in between. It's the time where we learn lessons. It bridges the gap between the best and the worst. And it's where we live most of our lives. And think about it. If we were to ignore the stories and the journeys of other biblical characters as well, there would probably be a lot of missing pages from the Bible. We probably wouldn't learn nearly as much. We would miss out on so much that God has for us. And so I say to you, if all we do is sit and wait, either for the next failure or the next best success. We're going to miss so much that God has in store for us. So if I had to give you my best piece of advice, I would say just to appreciate the uncertainty. Because to be honest, none of us in this room know when our next best thing or our next worst thing is around the corner. Only God knows that. But in the meantime, in the time in between, the best thing you can do is Listen. You can listen for God's call. You can listen like Ananias did. Ananias, like I said earlier, was not special. He simply listened. He was prepared. He was ready for his moment. He was ready for his success. And you can do that too. A lot of things in the Bible aren't quite black and white. There's a lot of interpretations for a lot of these stories and what God means and the words that people speak. But I know one thing is crystal clear. God will deliver for you. As long as you listen and you learn and you value that time in between. I'd like to finish up with a quote, again, not from C.S. Lewis. It's a quote from, in my opinion, the greatest musical act of all time, singer, songwriter, amazing guitar player. He goes by the name of John Mayer. I don't know if some of you have heard of him. He's amazing. He once said, someday everything will make perfect sense. So for now, Laugh at the confusion, smile through the tears, be strong, and keep reminding yourself that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason for you, and God will show up during your time in between. Thanks be to God. So Sean's got one more song, but before that, in a minute here, I'll pray for us. Um, I would just like to thank this church for the opportunity that I've been given to share these words. Um, this place has a special feeling. Um, these walls, I've seen a lot of them, and this place, just there's no place like home. I love being here, and I love speaking here, and thank you to all of you who have supported me over the years. Um, in Acts chapter 22, Paul is retelling this story. He mentioned something that Ananias says that isn't mentioned in the passage I read today. Ananias says, and this is verbatim, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and go. So I ask you, what are you waiting for? Listen to the call and be blessed. Will you pray with me? Lord, I'd like to thank you for bringing us all together today, for giving me this opportunity and blessing me with these words. Um, I'm so lucky to have grown up in this environment and have so many supportive people in the audience today. Um, Thank you so much for this story of Saul and Ananias. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse of someone's time in between and what it can mean for us and how we can answer your call. Lord, I would ask us, I would ask everyone in this room to go today. And listen to you during that time in between between their success and their failures to learn and to listen, to be ready for when you call upon them. Bless everyone with safety and health as they leave here today. In your name we pray. Amen.